You are listening to the Pariah Podcast, a fantasy adventure in the kingdom of the Midlands. I am Philip Norville Joe Carroll, author and narrator, and this is episode one, Boy Meets Girl. On the Farm Kio Noshane climbed into the apple box to retrieve the last of the fruit nestled in the corners, an advantage of being only five years old. Four men had drugged the box from a wagon only an hour before, heaped with glistening red and green fruit. Leaning out of the box, sorting the last of the fruit into barrels, Keo thought he had shown his older brothers and sister that he could work just as hard as they did. A momentary shadow darkened the apple box and sorting barrels, a shadow which would follow Keo the rest of his life. He peered up into the hazy autumn sky, his heart beating with anticipation. The mid-afternoon sun shone down, unmarred by clouds. Family, friends, and hired hands worked cheerfully in the sorting yard, moving barrels, loading and unloading wagons, unaware of the fanged fury circling above them. A screeching roar tore the air. Men and women scattered for cover, some to the storage sheds and barns, others running wildly into the orchards. Great wings whipped up a whirlwind of dust in the yard as a beast larger than a grown bull dropped from the sky. Keel leapt from the apple box in a single bound, scaling the side as high as his shoulders, and ran for the house. "'Mother! It's Celine!' he screamed at the top of his lungs, and again as he scaled all three steps to the covered porch at full speed. "'She's here! Already!' his mother hurried onto the porch, looking up into the sky. "'She's already here, Mom!' Keel hopped up and down in his excitement. "'She's at the sorting shed, and you should see it!' It's a giant with orange and black stripes. It roars like a dragon and has vicious, sharp teeth like a... like a... He shook his head, trying to come up with a satisfactory comparison. His wavy brown hair, overlooked during the apple harvest and reaching close to his collar, swished back and forth like the tail of one of the family's heavy workhorses. With vicious teeth like a tiger? His mother asked with a gleam in her eye. Well, yeah, the boy said, suddenly deflated. Come along, let's go see, she said, and put her hand to his back. Mother and son could see the impressive creature from the house. It stood as if posing for a sculptor to make a feeble attempt at representing the creature in clay, its wings arched, ready and expecting to launch itself into the air at any moment. It turned its broad head and watched Keo and his mother approach from yards away, still panting from the exertion of its flight. Saliva glistened on its fangs. A tiger hawk, Mom. It looks just like the pictures in my book. Of course, Keo. I'm sure they used real creatures as models when they painted the pictures for the book. Celine stepped from behind the creature, wearing the black leather breeches and thick woolen tunic of the Creature Handler Corps, and looked as proud and dangerous as the monster she had ridden in on. Though her mouth formed a smile, her eyes did not, and were icy daggers as black as her polished boots. Hello, Mom. Is Dad still in the orchards? She asked as stiffly as she stood. Yes, of course. It's harvest time. She took her oldest daughter in her arms. After the short hug, her mother stepped back to look at the girl, the woman. I can't believe how you've grown. Well, no, I can. It's just, the time has gone so fast. Sleed has been at camp for six months already. And Keo, you never saw him. He was born right after you left. Keo, the third third. She turned toward him, her youngest sibling, 
but he was no longer hanging on to his mother's skirts. He had gone to the tiger hawk, and at that moment stood just feet away from the creature, easily twice his height. It could take his childish form in its great feline jaws and rip him to shreds with a whip of its head. It was obvious, from his stance, that Keo didn't fear the creature. It was equally apparent that the tiger hawk, known for their shyness of anyone but their own handler, stared at the child in rapt fascination, its wings tucked at its sides. Suddenly, it crouched and placed its massive chin in the boy's extended hands. What are you doing? Celine snapped, unclear if she spoke to the creature, the boy, or both. She hurried to the animal's side. I love her, Celine. Does she have a name? Keo asked, elated, as his sister approached. No one names their creature, and they are neither male nor female, she said vaguely. How did you get it to do this? I asked her to, Keo said, not taking his eyes from the tiger hawks. I think she was telling me I should. That's silly. Creatures don't talk to the handlers, and... And you're not a handler anyway. You're too young. No one your age has ever spoken to a creature. The creature sat back on its haunches, shivered, ruffled out its feathered wings, and licked its chest. I told her to sit, Keo said, not vindictively, only stating the facts. Celine folded her arms. Brother, you are an unusual boy, and I think great things are going to come from you. Talking to a creature and not five years old. I am five. Since before the spring equinox, Keo said, crossing his arms to match his sister's stance. I'm five, and when I'm old enough, I'm going to ride a tiger hawk, just like you. I think you're probably right, Celine said, scanning the orchards. Mother, I'm hungry. Could we wait for father in the house, maybe at the dinner table? Yes, of course, she said, with all the pride a mother could possibly hold in. Come in, I'll make you some apple fritters. Seelie, Keo's father said, pushing through the door from the back porch. Keo watched as Celine stood. Her shimmering eyes betrayed the serious set of her jaw, her straight military back and shoulders. At the last moment, she reached up to share the embrace her father threw around her slender, yet training toughened body. The hug seemed to go on forever, her father unwilling to let go, but when he did, he stood back and looked her up and down. We expected you months ago, girl. Where have you been since the spring? A slight smile remained around her eyes, but her form returned to disciplined military bearing. I can't explain in depth, but the border unit I was serving with during my preparatory duty assignment asked me to return right after graduation to help them complete the... um, She paused. When she continued, her words sounded carefully chosen. They wanted me to help complete the defensive containment formation we had begun in the weeks before my field training ended. Keo stood to the side, hoping his father would notice him there. He smiled up at his sister when his father said, Seely, have you met our youngest? He was born just after you left. He'll be following you into the service in ten more years, and I think he'll be just like you and Sleed, and join the Creature Handler Corps. Keo's mother burst out with a short laugh and said, Keo spoke to Celine's tiger hawk out in the yard. He told it to sit, and it sat. You what? His father barked halfway between a laugh and a shout and looked at Celine, who nodded. I'm sorry. I didn't know I wasn't supposed to, Keo said, though he really didn't feel sorry, only confused that his father had reacted so violently. 
No, Keel, don't be sorry. There's nothing to say you're not supposed to. It's just that no one your age ever has. But most handlers would take offense. So don't go trying it on the next creature you come across, Selene said, raising a thin black eyebrow. Smiling from ear to ear, his father ruffled Keo's hair and beamed at Selene. Keo recognized the pride on his father's face he'd always had when speaking of Selene or his brother Sleed. Like a poke in the ribs, Keo realized his father had the same pride in him. The following morning, the entire family surrounded their celebrity as she prepared to return to her duty. Many of their neighbors shirked harvesting responsibilities long enough to come by and gawk at Celine and her tiger hawk to see the rare creature launch into the air and circle the sorting yard. Celine stood next to the tiger hawk, one hand on a muscular shoulder, and spoke with old friends as each came to hug and wish her well. The tiger hawk suddenly stepped over to Keo, leaving Celine awkwardly off balance. It bent its head to the ground at Keo's feet. Celine's face darkened, and she took a hesitant step toward her own animal. What did you say? Keel was tiny compared to the creature. His head reached only as high as its shoulders, but he held his chin up. I really didn't say anything. I was just thinking, and I thought how much I would like to fly on her, and she just came over here. The crowd of neighbors gasped as one and murmured for some time as Celine frowned, folding her arms against herself. She shook her head. I've never heard of a creature allowing anyone but its handler to ride on it, but apparently it doesn't see anything wrong with you coming along for a ride. We won't go high. It gets cold up in the sky this time of year. Come along. I've got to get going. Celine climbed on the creature's back and offered a hand down to her brother. Without a second's hesitation, he took it and climbed behind the creature's shoulders and leaned forward, hugging his arms around its thickly furred neck. Dust billowed up around them. People shouted and laughed, blocking their noses and grabbing for flying hats. Keo only felt the rush and thrill of the earth dropping away below them, and in a moment, his family and friends were dolls on the floor of a giant's playroom. Vertigo lasted only a second as they spun off to circle the orchards. The apple trees looked like gray-green balls of wool in orderly rows and blocks. Wheat and hayfields spread off beyond the orchard, ready to harvest and Keo felt like an emperor, surveying his kingdom from a mountaintop. In a stomach-turning rush, they were back on the ground. The tiger hawk landed as smoothly and softly as a feather on cotton. Keo slid to the ground and smoothed back his wavy brown hair to the applause of the crowd. Selene remained on her creature's back, but leaned down to hug her mother and receive a kiss on her cheek. I'm going to fly by the training camp before I return to the border. I'll check on Sleed and give him your wishes, she said, straightening her woolen jacket. Thank you, dear. Come again as soon as you can, her mother said, and blew her another kiss, stepping back. As Celine took to the air again and veered north, people gathered around Keo, patting him on the back and tousling his hair. He knew his sister was someone important, one of the few creature handlers in the king's service. But he was unaware of his unintentional jump to fame as the only child to ever speak to one of the empathic creatures. Celine returned to visit, literally out of the blue, several times each year, unannounced. She stayed a short time and quickly returned to duty. With each visit, people came from further abroad to see Celine's creature, 
stories of the boy who talked to tiger hawks spread. Keo felt himself the center of his sister's attention. With each visit, the family spent the evening discussing harvests and fields and local news, though she inevitably turned to him. She asked him if he was well, studying his lessons, playing nicely with his friends, and other routine questions a child would expect from any marginally interested relative. When conversations lagged or turned to subjects which didn't interest Selene, she would stare at Keo, deep in thought. As he grew older and became aware that others' thoughts could be important, especially when they thought about you in particular, he began to consider why she concentrated on him so deeply. Years later, on a winter afternoon, when the fields and trees lay dormant, and Keo was expected to concentrate on writing, mathematics, and the history of the highlands, its kings, and political relations, Selene returned. No one heard her arrive, and she entered quietly through the door from the back porch. Keo's mother looked up from her needlework with a quiet exclamation of, Oh, Selene! Selene, it's good to see, her father trailed off standing up from the desk where he worked on his ledgers and seeing the stricken look on his daughter's face. What is it, girl? Gather the family, she muttered, shaking her head and uncharacteristically avoiding eye contact with her parents. She walked to a padded chair near her mother and dropped into it with a deep sigh. I have some news to tell, and I only wish to tell it once. Burn, Jilly, his father called to the back of the long rectangular house. When the two, older than Keo by nine and ten years respectively, entered the room, their father said, Saddle up the horses and call your brother and sister in for a meeting. Selene has some news for the whole family. His brother and sister didn't ask questions. Recognizing the tenor of their father's voice, they grabbed their coats from pegs by the back door and hurried to the horse barn. It would take an hour for the two, going their separate ways, to pass the message to the others in their homes on the outer edges of the family land and probably two more hours for the families to hitch up their wagons and make their way to their father's home. Without a word, Keo's mother set aside her needlework and went to the kitchen to prepare dinner enough for eight children, four spouses, and five grandchildren. Always thinking of her family, Keo's mother would never send them away hungry. Keo's father sat back at his desk, the ledgers unmoved, though he only stared at his folded hands on the open books. Keo felt he should do something in the heavy silence. He should read his lessons, practice multiplication, or even mop the wooden floor. But the atmosphere was too tense to even rise from his seat. He felt his sister staring at him, though her eyes were clearly unseeing. Something had happened which affected her more than anything Keo had ever experienced. Eventually, she lowered her eyes to the floor, and Keo felt freed from their icy grip. He stood, muttered something about checking on the animals, took his heavy cloak from its peg on the wall and stepped out onto the back porch. He kicked through a light dusting of snow on the ground and headed for the barn. When Selene's tiger hawk stood, lifted its wings slightly from its body and stretched its forelegs out in front of itself, Keo realized why he had actually left the house. Halfway between the barn and the house, he approached the creature that shook off the accumulated snowflakes and licked a paw larger than Keo's head. Keo had grown to twice the size of when he had first ridden the creature, and Selene wouldn't permit both her and his body weight to encumber the tiger hawk. 
though it appeared strong enough to Keel to carry both of them, he respected his sister's concern and hadn't pressed to ride the creature for more than a year. He stroked the tiger hawk behind the ears, remembering wistfully the few short flights on the animal's back. It looked up at him and purred, lowered its shoulders to the ground, then raised its hindquarters into the air, in the position a creature assumed for a rider to mount. Keel felt as if his heart stopped beating. He didn't breathe, and a shiver ran up his spine. Are you telling me I may ride you, alone, without Selene? The creature dipped its head as well, in answer. Selene had explained early on that communication with the creature was one way. You could only speak to the animal. It could not speak with you. A handler had to learn the animal's behavior and body language to understand its communication. The magnificent feline had agreed to take him into the air and wouldn't be able to tell on him. Keel felt dirty as if he was about to do some awful thing like robbing an old woman or kicking a small child. But this was different, he told himself, and the creature seemed to agree. The tiger hawk was inviting him to fly. He couldn't fly with his sister anymore. Why not take advantage of such an offer? Selene was so consumed with her worries inside the house, she would never know if he kept the flight short. With another quick glance toward the house, he climbed onto the creature's back and stroked its fur along the ribs behind the shoulders. The animal leapt into the air, and with three strong beats of its wings, they were high above the barn, the icy wind of winter bringing tears flowing from his eyes. A sudden drop toward the ground made him gasp, and then he was laughing as the creature pounded its massive wings and climbed high in a tight circular pattern until the house and barn were snow-covered snuff boxes. He saw for miles in each direction. The sharp, impenetrable mountains rose to the east and north. Gray fog lay in dips and depressions between rolling hills to the west, and far off on the edge of his vision to the south was the southern highway, which would one day take him to the capital and there, selection into the Creature Handler Corps with his own Tiger Hawk. Keo sighed as the creature began a slow, spiraling descent back to the farmyard. The house appeared unbelievably small. As they came toward it, a single figure stood on the back porch at the top of the three wooden steps. The person was small and featureless at that distance, yet Keo knew who it was. As they made a final turn and dropped to the frozen ground, Keo saw his sister's face, as blank and unseeing as she had been in the family's sitting room. She didn't look angry, but he still felt as if he'd betrayed her and violated her trust. Keo dismounted and continued on to the barn and checked each of the animal pens. The milk cows had enough hay for the afternoon until milking time, the pigs were dozing in a dusty pen in the corner, and the sheep were like the pools of fog he had just seen settled into creases and hollows. Outside the main door to the barn, Keo tossed some cracked corn onto the ground for the chickens before walking back up to the house. The porch was empty, except for the tiger hawk, which now curled into a giant ball and purred in its sleep as he passed. Keo hung his cloak on a peg and sheepishly crept back into the sitting room. His father paged listlessly through a ledger with one hand, while he leaned his chin on the other, elbow on the desk. His pen sat to the side and his ink bottle stoppered. Celine wasn't there.
Vern and Jilly clattered through the back door, through the kitchen and into the living room, laughing and arguing about who had ridden the fastest and who was the best horseman or horsewoman. Upon seeing their father, they must have remembered the solemnity of their race and composed themselves accordingly. At that moment, Celine stepped into the room from the atrium at the front of the house. Celine, I'm sorry, Keo began, but his sister shook her head with a short jerk and cut him off. He sat in the chair next to his schoolwork, his chest heavy with guilt, and tried to think of an explanation which would absolve him of his crime. Byrne left to help his mother in the kitchen. Seal? Jilly asked after she sat and picked up her mother's needlework. What's going on, and why won't you tell us? Celine opened her mouth to speak, but shouts out from the front of the house and the sound of horses tackle announced the arrival of more family members. Just wait a few more minutes and everyone should be here, their father said, and got up to greet his older children. The smell of mutton stew bubbling on the stove and cornbread cooling on the sideboard had the older grandchildren distracted. All others waited silently for Celine to speak. Keo sat on the floor with the grandchildren. He looked around and considered there would be no more place to sit or stand in what he had always thought of as a large sitting room once his older sister and brother were married or one of the others had another child. Celine broke the silence. Sleed has died. The stunned silence continued only a moment before Keo's mother burst into tears. Others gasped or exclaimed, No! Keo felt hollow and at the same time filled with ice water. His brother was gone, no longer just away, but gone, never to return. While Celine held this terrible burden to herself, he had been out acting irresponsibly and dangerously on Celine's tiger hawk. Sleed had trained a tiger hawk as well, but they would never see it or Sleed ever again. What? their father asked in little more than a whisper. He was on patrol when his link was ambushed by Westlanders. The entire link was lost. No one knew those rotting Westers were out there, or a training link would never have been patrolling the area. I thought we had soldiers in the air watching the Westers, Wold, the husband to the oldest Noshani daughter, said. Celine closed her eyes and said, yes. Everyone remained silent, expecting more explanation. I'm sorry I can't tell you more. Celine said. The fact is, I don't know much more, and if I did, I wouldn't be permitted to share it with you. We're at war with the Westers, and I'm not allowed to talk about it. They will be bringing his body home for burial in the next ten or twenty days. I'll try to get back for the funeral. Celine stood. How is it you were there to bring us this message? Their mother asked between sobs. I was told a link of the fallen soldier's companions were to bring a body home. That's true, they are. Celine returned to her military bearing. A commander who was bringing me a change of orders had heard his name and asked if I wanted to notify instead of sending some unknown messenger, so I told him I would. That was thoughtful, their father said, and walked to Celine's side and put an arm around her. I would rather hear such awful news from one I love, not just some messenger. Your orders have been changed? Byrne asked. He hadn't shed any tears, though his face was bright red with pent-up emotion. Oh, yeah, I've been promoted. I'm on my way to become deputy commander of the training camp. I'd heard rumors of my promotion for weeks, and, you can imagine, I was a bit stunned by the double revelation. I need to be in the camp in the morning, so I'd best be off. 
Celine stayed just long enough to eat a bowl of the stew and a bite of the cornbread. After hugs and kisses from her mother and sisters, Keo grabbed his cloak and followed Celine into the late afternoon dusk. He caught her halfway to the tiger hawk. Celine, he called. He was ready to jump back when she turned and faced him, but her expression was blank. Yes, Keo? she asked. I'm sorry, he began, as he had in the sitting room. No, Keo, don't be. You didn't know any better. Or, rather, I didn't know any better. She shook her head again and blinked her eyes. Keo had only known his sister since she returned that first autumn day. She rarely showed the slightest emotion, and from what his parents told him, she had rarely cried, even as a small child. But now he was sure he saw tears in her eyes. I don't understand, he said, and meant the tears as much as anything else. That's likely both of us, she said, and drew in a long breath to steady her voice. You'll see when you get to camp and get your own creature. They can't talk to you, but you can talk to them, and you do, from the first day you hit the Midland swamps and start looking for the egg. You drag your hands through the slime talking to the egg, telling it all about you, telling it things you never even thought of or admitted to yourself before. Then when you find your egg, you clean it and care for it as the creature grows inside. You brag to it and say it's bigger than all the rest, or prettier, or browner, or more pointed, so that it knows you love it and will care for it and be dedicated to it. She fought back tears. Seeing his sister in such despair caused his own heart to ache. The tiger hawk crept to her and mewled with its head at her feet. Your creature can't tell you, but you know it is as devoted to you as you are to it, and that it will never let you fall, that it would use its last breath, the last beat of its heart, to bear you safely to the ground. But no creature has ever met someone like you. There is something about you which has made you more powerful than other creature handlers, something which has given you the ability to speak to other handlers' creatures. I don't even know if I'm explaining it correctly. I felt betrayed by my companion creature, betrayed like no other creature handler ever has. The tiger hawk rolled to its side, rubbed at Celine's legs with its shoulders, nearly knocking her over, and uttered a pitiful growling whine. Celine knelt and rubbed the base of its ears with both of her hands. But it's not the creature's fault for never having met anyone like you. She stood and hugged her younger brother and said, like I told you before, be careful around other people and their creatures. They won't be as understanding as me, and if you make one of them jealous about their creatures' attentions, they just might kill you. Celine stood back. I'll be very busy the next few years and probably won't be back to visit as much. When you do come to camp, it would be better if you didn't tell anyone I'm your sister. The trainers don't like giving anyone an unfair advantage and just might overcompensate in the other direction. Thanks, Celine. I'll try to remember. Kia watched her mount the magnificent flying creature. She patted the tiger hawk behind the ear and pressed her knees against its ribs, preparing to launch into the air. She sat straight for a moment, then turned to Kia and said, Learn about our kingdom and its rulers. Not just his highness, but every step down. There's a whole lot more in this world than just the Swamp Hills and Peeker's Village and a lot of people struggling to get their piece of it. If you're not careful, one or more of those people are going to see you as a threat. If they can't work around you, they'll want to get rid of you. With that, Celine buried her fingers in the fur below her creature's ears, 
pressed her knees into its ribs, and the tiger hawk leapt into the sky. Thank you for listening to the Pariah Podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. If you'd like more, stop by my Patreon page at www.patreon.com slash Joe and see how you can help me produce these episodes and earn some bonuses for yourself at the same time. If you could help me out by going to iTunes and leaving a review, I'd love you for the rest of my life. Any kind of feedback to an author producer is more sustaining than food and water. If you'd like to know what else I've written, or am writing, stop by my website at norvaljoe.com or like my Facebook page at facebook.com slash Author. Philip with one L, Carol with two R's and two L's. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.